27 hours. How would, would they do it? Artyom couldn't really imagine how people hang. They once had to execute a traitor at their station, but Artyom was still little and didn't understand much. And anyway, they wouldn't perform public executions at BDNKH. They would probably throw a rope around his neck, either they'd string him up to the ceiling, or there would be some sort of stool involved. Now, it didn't, it didn't bear thinking about. He was thirsty. With the effort, he flicked the switch and the train of his thoughts swept onto other rails. To the officer he had shot, the first person he ever killed. The scene arose before his eyes again, visible bullets going into his broad chest. How they had left burnt black marks in which fresh blood, in, in which fresh blood had coagulated. He didn't feel the slightest regret for what he'd done, and this surprised him. Once he had reckoned that every killed person must be a heavy burden on the conscience of the person who killed them. They would appear in dreams, disturb his old age. But no, it seemed it wasn't like that at all. There was no pity, no repentance, only gloomy satisfaction. And Artyom understood that if the murdered person were to come to him in a nightmare, then he would only turn indifferently away from the phantom, and it would then disappear without a trace. But old age, there would be no old age anymore. Time was running out. It would probably involve a stool. When there is so little time, you have to think about something important, about the most important thing that you've never found time to think about before, leaving it all till later. About the fact that your life wasn't lived right, that you'd do it differently if given a second chance. No, he couldn't have had any other life in this world. There was nothing to try to redo. When the, when the border guard shot the Nitschka in the head, would he not have rushed 
for his automatic machine gun, but instead have stayed standing at the side, it wouldn't have worked. He would never have managed to chase Vinitska and Mik Mikhail Porfirovich from his dreams. What had happened to the old man? Damn, what would it take to get a mouthful of water? First, they would lead him out of the cell. And if he was lucky, then they'd lead him through the transfer passage. But there'd little time for that now. And if they didn't put that damn cover over his head, he would be able to see something apart from the rod of the lattice in front of him in the endless rows of cages. What station you from? said Artyom through dry lips, tearing himself away from the lattice and looking up into the eyes of his neighbor. Tverskaya, the man responded. Then he asked, Listen, brother, what are you in here for? I killed an officer, Artyom slowly replied. It was hard for him to speak. Oh, oh. And shaved, the, no, the shaved man offered sympathetically. So, they're going to hang you. Artyom shrugged and turned again to lean on the lattice. Sure they will, his neighbor assured him. They will. And soon, right here at the station, they won't be transferring him. If only to drink a... If only to get a drink of water, to wash this metallic paste from his mouth, to moisten his dry throat, then maybe he could speak to this man for a little more than a minute. There was no water in the cage, but on the other side of the space there was a beaded tin bucket. Could he ask his jailer? Maybe they give small indulgences to those who have been sentenced. If he could only have pushed his hand out through the lattice and wave it a little, but his hands were tied behind his back, and the wire was digging into his wrist, and he had lost all sensation. He tried to cry out, but only a rattle emerged, which turned into a cough from deep in his lungs. Both guards approached the cage when they noticed his attempts to get their attention. The rat has awoken one 
with the dog, with the dog grinned. Artyom threw his head back to see the man's face and whispered with difficulty, Drink water. A drink, the guard with the dog pretended to be surprised. What do you need that for? You're just about to be strung up and all you want is to drink? No. We won't be getting you anymore. Maybe that way you'll die sooner. The matter was settled and Artyom closed his eyes wearily. But the jailers apparently wanted to chat with him some more. So, you scum. You finally understood who you raised your fist to. The other guard asked, and you, and you're even a Russian, you brat. It's because of those morons who still stab you in the back with your own knife. Those, he nodded at Artyom's neighbor in the next cage. The whole metro will be full of them soon. And your, your simple Russian won't even be able to breathe. The unshaved prisoner looked down. Artyom could only find the strength to shrug his shoulders. And they smacked, and they smacked that mongrel of yours nicely too, the first guard added. Sidora said that Tunnel was a bloodbath, and quite right, subhumans. They need to be destroyed. They are our Genophon. He remembered the difficult word. They ruined things, and your old man died too. He concluded. What Artyom sobbed? He'd been afraid of that, but he hoped that perhaps the old man hadn't died, and maybe he was somewhere here in the next chamber. Right, he died. They ironed him a little bit, but he up and croaked. The guard with the dog said happily and satisfied by the fact that Artyom was finally reacting to them. You will die. All your relatives will die. He could be, he could see Mikhail Porfirovich without a care in the world, stopping in the middle of the tunnel. Leaping through his notepad and repeating this last line with emotion. What was it again? Der Toten, Tetanron? No, the poet was mistaken. There aren't any acts of glory anymore. There isn't anything anymore. Then he remembered how Mikhail 
Spiravich had missed his old apartment, especially his old bed. Then his thoughts started thickening and were flowing more and more slowly. Then they stopped altogether. He rested his forehead against the lattice again, and, with a dull mind, he started looking at the jailer's sleeve. A three-pronged swastika, strange symbol, looks either like a star or like a crippled spider. Why only three, he asked. Why three? He had to tip his head towards the man's armband to see the security guards would understand what he meant. Well, how many do you need? The, the one with the dog answered indignantly. There are three stations, you fool. It's a symbol of unity. And just you wait. When we get to Polis, we'll add a fourth. What are you talking about? The other guard interrupted. It's an ancient symbol. A primordial Slavic sign. It's called a solstice. It belonged to the Fritz's. The Fritz. For frights. And then we took it over. Stations. You pothead. But there's no more sun anymore. Artyom squeezed out the words. Feeling as though there was a muddy bell over his eyes, and his sense of hearing was disappearing into the haze. That's it. He's gone mad, the guard the dog announced with gratification. Let's go. Send ya and find someone else for a chat. Artyom didn't know how much time had passed while he sat there deprived of his thoughts and his vision. He occasionally regained consciousness and understood vague images, but everything was saturated with the taste and smell of blood. However, he was glad that his body had taken pity on his mind and killed all thought, and so released his sense of reason. And so, released his sense of reason was melancholy. Hey brother, his neighbor shook his shoulder, don't sleep. You've been sleeping for a long time. It's almost four o'clock. Artyom tried to surface from the chasm of his unconsciousness, but it was difficult, as though lead weights had been attached to his feet. Reality came to him slowly, like the 
indistinct outlines of film that had been placed in developing solution. What time is it? He broke. Ten to four, the black-eyed man said. Ten to four? They'd probably come for him in about forty minutes. And in an hour and ten minutes. In an hour and nine minutes. An hour and eight minutes. Seven minutes. What's your name? His neighbor asked. Artyom. I'm Russian. My brother was called Ahmed, and they shot him straight away. But I don't know what they do. I don't know what they'll do with me. My name is is Russian. Maybe they don't want the stake. The black-eyed man was happy that he finally managed to start a conversation. Where are you from? None of this was of interest to Artyom, but the chatting of his unshaven neighbor helped him to fill his head. It didn't matter what it was filling it with. He didn't want to think about VDNKH. He didn't want to think about the mission that he had been charged with. He didn't want to think about what was happening in the metro. He didn't want to. He didn't want to. I'm from Kevskaya. You know it? We call it Sunny Kiev. Russell smiled, showing a row of white teeth. There are a lot of my people there. I have a wife, children, three children. The oldest one has six fingers on his hands, he added proudly. Something to drink? Just a mouthful, even if it's tepid. He wouldn't mind tepid water, unfiltered even. Any water, a mouthful, and to be forgotten about again until the escorts came to get him. He wanted an empty mind again, and not to be bothered. He wanted his head to stop spinning, to stop itching, to stop his thoughts from telling him that he had made a mistake. He didn't have the right to do what he did. He should have gone on, turned his back, covered his ears, carried on, made it from Peshkinskaya to Chekhovskaya, and from there, it was just one transfer. So easy. Just one transfer, and it would all have been done. His task completed. He would be alive. It's so much easier for people to die when they believe in something. For 
those who believe that death isn't the end of everything, for those in whose eyes the world is separated into black and white. Who, who, know, who knows exactly what they need to do and why? Who will hold the torch of an idea of beliefs in their hands and everything they see is illuminated by it? Those who have nothing to doubt and nothing to regret. They must have an easy time of dying. They die with a smile on their face. We had fruit big like this before, in the beautiful flowers. I give them to the girl for no money, and she give me the smile. The words reached Artyom, but couldn't distract him anymore. Steps could be heard from the depths of the hall. Several people were approaching, and Artyom, Artyom's heart tightened and turned into a small, nervous lump. Were they coming for him so soon? He thought that forty minutes would have lasted longer. Or, or, or had this devilish neighbor told him that more time was left because he had wanted to give him some hope? No, it couldn't be. Three pairs of boots stopped at his cage. Two of them were in spotted military trousers, one in black trousers. The lock made a grinding sound and Artyom only just managed not to fall over as the cage door he was leaning on opened. Pick him up, someone said. He was grabbed under the arms and his sword and he soared towards the ceiling. Break a leg, Rustlin wished him, as a parting gesture. There were two machine gunners, but not those that he'd talked to. However, these were just as anonymous looking. A third guy with a bristling mustache and watery blue eyes was wearing a black uniform and a small beret. Follow me, he ordered, and they dragged Artyom to the other end of the platform. He tried to walk himself. He didn't want them to drag him like he was a helpless doll. If he had to leave this life, he wanted to do it with pride, but his legs wouldn't obey him. They buckled, and he couldn't only clumsily place them on the floor, hampering the forward motion so that the man in 
the black uniform looked at him severely. The cages didn't continue to the end of the hall. The row was interrupted in the middle where the escalators to the next level down were situated. There in the depths, torches were burning and ominous crimson light reflected on the ceilings. There were cries of pain coming from below. Artyom suddenly had a thought about the underworld. He felt a certain relief when they had led him past the escalators. From the last cage, someone yelled to him, Farewell, farewell, my friend. But Artyom didn't pay him any attention. He could only see a glass of water looming before his eyes. On the opposite wall, there was a was a guard's observation post. A roughly knocked-together table with two chairs. There was a sign with the symbol which said, No Entry for Black People. He couldn't see any gallows anywhere, and for a moment, Artyom had a crazy hope that they had only wanted to scare him, and they weren't really leading him to his hanging, but they were taking him to the end of the station so that he could be let go without the others seeing him. The man in the mustache, who was walking ahead, turned at the last archway towards the pathway and Hardium began to believe in his rescue fantasy even more strongly. There was a small platform on wheels standing on the rails and it was arranged in such a manner that if its floor was level with the station floor, there was a thick-set man in a spotted uniform, checking a loop of rope that was hanging from the hook skewed into the ceiling. The only difference between him and the others was that his rolled-up sleeves showed powerful forearms, and he had a knitted hat pulled over his head with holes cut into it for his eyes. Is everything ready? The man in the black uniform said, and the executioner nodded at him. I don't like this construction, he said. Why couldn't we use the good old stool? Then it's pow. He punched his fist into his other palm break his neck, but with this thing, while he's choking, he'll squirm like a worm on a hook, and when they choke, they so, they so much, there's so much to clean up afterwards, there's like guts everywhere, 
enough to manage the black uniform, he said. Then he took the executioner aside and furiously hissed something at him. As soon as their superior had stepped away, the soldier quickly went back to their interrupted conversation. So, the one on the left impatiently asked the one on the right. Okay, so, the one, the one on the right whispered loudly. I pushed her up against the column and shoved my hand under her skirt. She turned all soft and said to me, but he didn't manage to finish because his superior had returned. Never mind the fact that he's Russian. He's... He transgressed. The traitor. The turncoat. Degenerate. And traitor should be painfully punished. He was encouraging the execution. They untied his hands and took off his jacket and jumper so that Artyom stood there only wearing his dirty undershirt. Then they tore the cartridge case from Hunter, no, cartridge case that Hunter had given him off the string around his neck. A talisman, the executioner inquired. I'll put it in your pocket. It will still come in handy. His voice was far from evil, and it was curiously soothing. Then they pulled his hands together behind his back and pushed Artyom onto the scaffold. The soldiers remained on the platform since they weren't needed. He couldn't escape anyway, since it required all the strength Artyom had just to stand there while the executioner fitted the loop over his head. To stand up, not fall, and make no noise. Something to drink. That's all that he could think about. Water. 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 He broke. Water. The executioner threw up his hands in disappointment. Where am I going to get you any water now? It's not possible, my dear. We're already way behind schedule. Now just be patient. Not long now. He jumped off onto the path with a thud and spat on his hands before taking up the rope attached to the scaffold. The soldiers were lined up, and their commander had assumed a significant and even solemn look. As an enemy spy who has viciously, viciously betrayed his people, he began. In Artyom's head, 
there was a dance of thought, fragments, and images that said, wait, it's too early. I haven't yet managed to do what I had to do, and then Hunter's strict face appeared before his eyes and disappeared immediately in the crimson twilight of the station. Then Sequoia's tender gaze appeared in the and vanished too. Mikhail Prepervich, you will die. The dark eyes, they can't wait. And over all this, interrupting his memories with words, his desires shrouded them in a snuffy, dense haze, hung um, a great thirst, something to drink. Degenerate, who discredits his own nation, the voice continued to burble. Suddenly, there were shouts in the tunnel, and a burst of machine gun fire. Then a loud bang, and everything went quiet. The soldiers grabbed their machine guns. Their superior in black turned nervously and quickly said, Punishment by death. Go ahead. And he gave the signal. The executioner, the executioner grunted and pulled the rope planting his feet on the frost eyes. The boards slipped away from Hardium's feet, though he tried to keep touching them, so that he could stay on the scaffold. But they moved further away, and it was getting harder and harder to stand. The rope was dragging him back towards, towards death, and he didn't wanted. He didn't want to die. Then the floor slipped out from under him and the loop tightened from the weight of his body. It squeezed his neck, cut into his windpipe, and a rattle issued from his throat. His sight lost its sharpness, and everything was twisted inside him. His body was begging for air, but he couldn't inhale, no matter what he tried, and his body started to coil convulsively, and there was an awful tickling filling in his stomach. The station clouded with a poisonous yellow smoke gunshots roared nearby, and then he lost consciousness. Hey, Hagman, come on, come on now, don't pretend. We felt your pulse, so you can't feign, so you can't feign death. And he was hit across the cheeks, bringing Round. I refuse to do mouth to mouth on him again, the other person said. This time, Hardium 
was absolutely sure that it was a dream. The last seconds of unconsciousness before the end. Death was so close. In the moment, her iron fist closed around his neck was in indisputable was as indisputable as the moment before Thor fell away from underneath him and he hung over the rails. That's enough, Lanky. You'll be fine. The first voice insisted. We got you out of the loop so you could enjoy life again. You're rolling all over the floor on your face. Someone shook him hard. Artyom shyly opened an eye and closed it. Having decided that he was probably in the process of dying prematurely and that the afterlife had already begun, a being was leaning over him and it looked a bit like a person, but it was so unusual look, looking that it reminded Artyom of Khan's calculations about where souls go when they are separated from their transitory bodies. The skin of the being was a matte yellow, which you could even see in the light of a lantern nearby, and instead of eyes, he had narrow slits, as though a sculptor who was sculpting a person out of a tree had almost finished the face, but had only made an outline of the eyes, and he forgot the chip open the eyes so it could look out onto the world. The face was round and high cheekbones, and Artyom had never seen anything like it. No, this is not working. Someone declared resolutely from above, and they sprayed water in his face. Artyom swallowed it convulsively and stretched out his hands before the bottle. At first, he was just held. At first, he just held onto the neck of the bottle. Only after that did he get up and look around. 